Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And I'm really delighted today to interview Lori Walker. I've known Lori for many decades, and let me tell you a little bit about her. Lori is a senior executive with over 25 years of experience. She has led accident benefit claims departments and third-party administration at some of the largest independent insurance firms in Canada. Lori is a turnaround expert. She is known as the fixer. She's sought after to resolve long-term issues, dysfunctional departments, broker-driven client programs, and assess personnel by rethinking conventional solutions, streamlining operations, and implementing best practices. Lori is recognized as an industry thought leader, a keynote speaker, a provincial trainer, and she's been retained by the Insurance Institute of Ontario to conduct open training sessions across the province when new automotive legislation is adopted. She's an approved expert witness in the Superior Court of Ontario, and she is regularly engaged to sit on arbitration panels and often retained by legal counsel to provide an opinion about claim file handling. She's the former editor-in-chief of the Ontario Insurance Adjusters Magazine, WP, Without Prejudice, and a frequent author of numerous articles for insurance magazines in the industry. So Lori, welcome to the show. Awesome, thank you for having me. Well, I, I've always looked up to you, and I said this to you before we, we hit the record button. I've always found you to be such a strong female leader in the insurance world, and you do it with such heart-centered heart traits. So I'm excited to ask you some leadership questions. So are you ready? Well, I am. I hope I have some heart-centered answers for you. <laughs> I, I, I know you will. So my first question is, you made a decision to have a career in the insurance sector. And my question is, did you have a mentor who intrigued you to work within the scope of risk management? Um, that's a really good uh, question because, um, you know, as you know, um, and probably everyone can attest, no one in the insurance industry, particularly in the claims side, ever thought when they were young that they were growing up and they, that what did they want to be? No one ever said they wanted to be an insurance adjuster or in the insurance field. Um, so everyone in the industry sort of falls into their job um, and, you know, is either successful or makes do. And um, in my case, um, I was very fortunate. Um, I landed into a, a very small company in my hometown and then uh, kind of progressed to other companies in, in local cities. But early on, I was um, 
I was always impressed with uh, this lady. Um, her name is Carmen Grigg. She's long since retired, um, but she was at the time um, the VP of underwriting uh, for a small company, uh, Anglo Canada, and which is now part of the Intact Group. And um, but she was one of the very first female um, executives that I'd ever seen. And um, she was and became the very first female CEO of um, an insurance company in Canada. And she was, you know, striking grace, but was always very direct. So I kind of took a page out of, out of what she did. And she always had time to um, answer questions and motivate you and spark your interest in ways that you never even would imagine. So I guess my, my short answer is, is I did have a mentor and uh, it was a female leader. And I think, um, I, you know, in my own mind, I always strove to be, um, you know, in her shadow or in her grace and always follow her lead in the way she um, took on projects, the way she interacted with her colleagues, the way she interacted with clients. Um, and what I came to learn is, um, you know, there are two faces that you have. There's the professional face, but, just a shade off to that is your own personality that will always shine through and, and your own characteristics. And it's about amplifying the great characteristics and knowing when to put the ones that aren't so graceful into your pocket and, you know, use them when you need them, but, you know, learning how to adapt to that environment. So, yeah, I did have a mentor that really helped me early in my, in my career. Well, it's a beautiful story, and I can certainly see how Carmen has fostered that in you and, and watching your trajectory over the last two and a half decades. So it's, we all need a mentor. So what a lovely memory for you. And, it, you know, it's hard to say it, two and a half decades. It, it feels like yesterday. Right? <laughs> it does. Well, it really does. We were so young when we started. So there you go. That must be it. <laughs> so my second question, I asked all my guests because I truly believe we all have imperfections. What imperfections, Lori, do you feel you bring to your heart-centered leadership? Um, I think one of my, um, you know, it depends on who's asking that question for me. If you ask my executive colleagues or my senior leadership um, that I've worked with, um, my imperfections are, um, you know, I'm fairly bold. I, uh, I take a very aggressive approach because I know in my heart of hearts that the job can get done efficiently, um, close to perfection. I always strive for that. And I, you know, I realize it's, it's, a, it's a lofty goal, but I know that if a team can, can do something together, I know that the job can get done efficiently, um, with pleasure, with, and give satisfaction to colleagues, um, and successfully, you know, be, where the, be whatever the client and whatever the project might be, attain the goals. But I move very fast and I move very rapidly. My mind is, I feel like my mind sometimes is, you know, three weeks down the road. I'm always anticipating what's going to be next and um, preparing and over-preparing. And for colleagues that are not used to that at that senior leadership level, that can be kind of a scary, you know, um, too, too bold of a move, too, you know, too rapid of a change. So 
one of my imperfections is is I have to learn sometimes where where their thought process is and sort of coach them along and allow them to see the data or allow them to see the steps so that they can catch up with me. Um, and I don't mean to say that they're lagging behind. It's just that my thinking sometimes and the way I look at a project or the way I look at a goal is completely different than what the past has done. And I find that that's one of my biggest imperfections is I'm able to adapt to things a lot faster uh, than perhaps colleagues are. And I have to sometimes wait for them or reassess or go back and sort of bring them along to the same line of thinking that I see or the vision that I can see. Sometimes clarity for me is 2020 and for them, it's, it's a little bit off. So that's one of my imperfections because I have many. <laughs> well, and, and what you just described is, is one of the ways I think I would describe you and you are that vivid visionary. And I think sometimes when you have that gift of being an independent and effortless thinker, you're able to see the outcome and, you know, come back into reality and know what discipline and structure you need to achieve to get there. And like you said, we all have different ways of thinking and habits of thinking. So good for you for taking on the coaching role to, to bring your colleagues kind of into that same space. That's interesting and it, and it leads so, so nicely into my next question. I know that you have been given and labeled and coined The Fixer, one, mm -hmm. of, my, one of my favorite shows on Netflix. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna coin you the Olivia Pope of the insurance industry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, truly, I truly believe though that this represents how amazing you are as a heart-centered leader and the communication skills that you have. And I know that you have written and used the cliche, treat others the way you want to be treated. Share with us how you learned and developed and really honed those heart-centered leadership skills. Well, you know, I, I come from a humble background, to be quite honest with you. I, um, I grew up on a small tobacco farm and it was a very labor intensive um, family business. We did it together. There was no, you know, hired help per se for certain functions until it got to harvest time. And um, so we worked closely with our, our parents and we worked closely with, you know, those people. And one of the things that my, my father imparted on me was, you know, no matter what you do, I don't know what career you're going to have. I don't know whether you'll even have one, but always remember to treat others the way you want to be treated. And if you can do that, that's half the battle. So I took that with me when I did, you know, when I started out in, in claims adjusting, when I was dealing with those people who had a house fire or were in a terrible car accident, you, you walk the mile in their shoes and you think, how would, how would you want to be treated? Because ultimately you do have to deliver bad news. There will always be a day where you have to deliver bad news, but how you deliver that news is either going to make you a success or, or, or not to a certain degree. Um, you know, there are people who go through the motions of doing the job, but then there are people who do the job, do it extremely well and hit it out of the park because not everybody is going to be happy with the end result, but they'll always say, but I was treated with respect and I was treated fairly and I understand why this has happened. Um, so taking it, moving it forward, you know, take that simple 
concept and then move that into an executive role. And, you know, when I first became an executive, I took on a team and a role that I had absolutely no experience at, none. So the first thing I had to do was trying to learn. And, you know, most mistakes are made when someone goes in and they pretend that they know what they're doing. And then, you know, the colleagues that are reporting to, to that individual can recognize that. They know, they understand. So what I did was I fell on the sword and I said, hi, everybody. I don't, this is new to me. I've been asked to lead this team, but I'm going to sit with all of you and you're going to tell me everything that's wrong, everything that's right, what it is that we're supposed to do. And then I'm going to go back to the contracts and I'm going to go back to management. But I think by doing that, I earned a little bit of their respect. And then when I came to make my decisions and, you know, because ultimately you do, you now take into consideration what that person has to go through every day. And you understand, oh, there's an equipment need, there's a technology need, there's a social need, there's a, you know, um, or you're, you understand some of the, the issues between diversity and all of the different traits that come along with the things that other people have to work with. And you understand that inclusivity, it means including the executive management and including some empathy in what you do. So it's really, really uh, important for me. And it's been a, a good working tool for me to always put myself in there and treat those people the way that I would want to be treated. And I think that helps the department, whatever the goal, whatever the project, whatever the team, you can work together as, as, as a one big machine. Everybody's a cog in that wheel. That wheel's not going to go around if, some, if a cog is missing or it's broken. So I go in and I fix that, that, that cog and it, that wheel starts to go around. I used to say, I got all four tires spinning in the same direction now. Now we're getting traction. Now we can move forward. So that, that's the way it's helped me. And that's why you're the fixer. I love it. <laughs> That's why I'm and you know what? We have something in common. So I worked two summers as a teen on a tobacco farm. So I know that hard work and those hot mornings. And I think it does build tenacity and grit and you have no choice. You know what the workload is. And I think it's fostered your leadership because you again see that end goal and you know what you need to do but what i love the most about your answer Lori, is you always put the value on the connection with people first and i think that's how you've earned the fixer title well in this business particularly in the insurance claims industry or even in the insurance industry we don't produce a product we don't make a widget and we sell it we sell service and the claims people are the ones that deliver that service. And you can have great service and you can have bad service. And you know the way that the team operates and the way that you, your philosophy is, is drifted, drifted out, that's, that's all part of it, right? And you, know, you, you have that philosophy and, and that will shine through the service that you give. 100% and the sector doesn't matter. It's again, it's that connection with people and coming back to a simple generational value that was imparted by your dad. When we treat others the way we want to be treated, we'll never go wrong. Right, absolutely. 
Now, my last leadership question is, I know that you're a volunteer with the Young Insurance Professional Organization in Toronto, Ontario. What mm -hmm. advice would you offer to someone younger who's considering a career in the insurance industry or even looking to embrace the proverbial climb up the corporate ladder? Um, well, that's a, that's a really interesting question because um, what I'm finding now that was different when I started in, in you know, after graduating um, my education um, was I didn't know what I wanted to do and I kind of fell into things. That's not happening now. What I'm finding now is that there's a true recruitment effort uh, of whether it's insurance company level or otherwise or related efforts. Um, they're getting into the colleges, they're getting into high schools and they're doing recruits and they're identifying people early and then they're courting those people. So those people already have some idea when they start into the, into the industry, they've already got some ideas of what, what it is that they're entering. And, you know, for me, I had to learn basic skills. People entering now, when they're 20 years old, they have so many more skills than we did when we started. And my, when, I, when I talk to my, my colleagues that are at this, at this program or you know, with this association, I've always uh, encouraged them to you know, use, what, use your new skills that you bring to the table because the old people like us or the senior seasoned people lack those skills. We lack the technology. We don't know what we don't know. So once you understand and immerse yourself, I've encouraged them, put up your hand, ask the question and say, have you thought about it this way? And this tool or that tool or this, because that is something that is brand new and a breath of fresh air. Certainly on the IT side of things, that's an evolving process and most teams are already well working, you know, with new concepts, but not on the old adage side of, of the business, um, whether it's selling at broker level, whether it's um, risk inspection, whether it's claims, whether it's underwriting, those pieces are quite lagging behind. And those management teams need that young breath of fresh air with these new crisp ideas. And it's great. And what I encourage when I have a, have a a young individual and I know where they work, I will make the phone call over to you know team lead over there and say listen you know this is this is what i've recognized in this individual and they start to mentor and partner individually within their organization and i think it's a great way um, to offer have the young people engaged but have them offer meaningful vision for efficiency for success of service whether it's attaining the goals whatever the project might be um, they have so much more to bring to the table. And I think it's encouragement just to have them put up their hand once they recognize that, hey, there might be a different solution to this. And, uh, it, you know, and I think that there's encouragement now for those ears to open up and listen to that. Well, I love that. And it just fosters and mentors leadership around inclusion. And like you said, when we pool our ideas, so many different strategies can can unpack and unfold and a different set of eyes always brings a different perspective. So what a nice way to mentor and I can see why you are aligned with that organization. 
I like to end the podcast, Lori, with what I call the Fab Four. And these are four fun questions. Just going to rapidly fire them at you. And, and you let us know what's sitting on the top of your mind. Are you ready? Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. Question number one. What inspires Lori? Oh, gosh. I have so many inspirations. Um, what inspires, um, you know, I really enjoy um, listening to female leaders tell me um, about themselves or tell me about their struggles. Like, um, I really appreciated Michelle Obama's um, book that she wrote and the inspiration that you take from, you know, I thought she was a political monster, like in, in a sense before. And then I read her book and it's a completely different take. So I like suspense and, and, the, and the twist and the change when someone tells me uh, their story. So from, from that perspective, I think female leaders or um, you know, someone in, in the female um, sort of top of mind or top stories that are, that are emerging, I like listening to their stories. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things too. And, and that was a good book. So again, I join you in that. The wins are important, but the struggles are more inviting to read and make it so relatable. I know, I know. She's great. My second question, what word would you give to the year 2020 and why? Mm. Um, I think, I think adaptation is the word of 2020. I think we've all come to learn um, that life has to adapt and evolve, um, that we have to change and adapt not only our personal lives and our living space and our outdoor space and our workspace, um, our social space, like every aspect of your life has undergone some form of adaptation this year. Good, bad or ugly we've had to do it whether we've liked it or not absolutely next question what is your favorite memory from your career hmm. um i think my favorite memory was probably the year that i was president of the ontario insurance adjusters association um that was 2008 2009 um and i was um sort of i was connected i was connected in every sense of the of the word um i was not yet at senior leadership level although i was you know um progressing towards that and i was very close um but i was still at that um i was still mainstream of of all my colleagues across the province and i felt really connected to them and i felt like i could uh, make a huge wave of change if i really needed to or i could make impact um, to both industry and to people's lives and to inspire them. That's beautiful. And my last question is, Lori Walker, what do you want your legacy to be? My legacy, I think, is really um, for people to look back and remember um, ways in which I, I entered their lives in a sense of you know, did I help them? You know, Lori helped me do this or Lori helped me do that. I always like helping people and I love it when somebody comes up to me that has, I haven't seen in 10 years and somebody says, you remember that time and you helped me do this because it, it's a great story and it makes me feel good. 
Um, and they seem to have a smile, so I hope it makes them feel good too. Well, hence me reaching out to have you on the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast because I've always looked up to you. I think you're an amazing female leader and you do get the job done, but you do it with heart-centered leadership. So it was lovely to see you today and chat to you. And I, I want to wish you continued success and thank you for sharing your time and expertise with us today. Oh, thank you so much. And I appreciate that. That's really uh, very thoughtful to say. And I enjoyed the podcast today. So best wishes and good luck. Thank you. I like to end the podcast with a list of five things that I believe help us live a purposeful life. Follow your heart, have passion, do your best, know your truth, and always remember to be in love with the journey. This is Deb Crow. Thanks again for tuning in to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast.